If you could ask Jesus for anything, what would it be? You ever think about that? If you had the opportunity to sit with him, to look in his eyes, to walk with him, and maybe he asked you the question, what is it that you want me to do for you? How would you answer that question? Well, today we're going to look at a story where someone, uh, two boys, actually ask him that very question, and we are going to look at how Jesus answered them. We are in a series that we are calling One Another, and that series is really focusing on the El Elyon, the, the All Alone, as we said last week, that the idea for a church to be healthy, we have to be focused on one another. We have to be focused not just on ourselves and what we want and what we, what our opinion is, but on the blessing uh, that it is to be with one another. You can tell a lot of difference between a cold church and a warm church by how they treat one another. I'll tell you this morning, it was so good to see so many that were in here for, and then across the, for the multipurpose room. For the ministry fair, of course, there were a lot of people learning about new ministries, getting involved, signing up. If you weren't here for that, I want to encourage you to stay afterward. But even more than the opportunity to get involved and to serve and to use your gifts was the one another that I saw. I heard laughter and fellowship and joy, and I just stood back for just a minute in one corner of the room and thought, it's good to be back. It's good to be together again, and it's good to be with one another. And that's what I believe the church should be when we are together, is, is one anothering, supporting, encouraging, loving, helping, praying for, and serving each other. This phrase, one another, occurs over a hundred times, we said last week in the New Testament. Uh, so there's a lot to say about these scriptures. We're going to look at them one at a time. Last week we talked about the sort of the foundational one, which is the understanding that we are to love one another. And this week we talk about another type of, of one anothering. And this one is a little bit challenging. And it's challenging because for this very reason. We live in a culture where everyone wants to be served. Now, that's just our culture. We are, we are so used to such a high level of service, we have a high standard for how to be served. When you check into a hotel, when you go to a restaurant, when you get your hair cut, when you get your taxes done, when somebody comes to fix your plumbing, when you, when you have your heat and air service, when you get your oil changed, in all of these areas, so many of us are used to being served. And we have a high expectation of how we're served and how quickly we're served. You ever go somewhere and you complain about the lack of customer service? You ever send up a fiery email to Amazon because you got your package in three days instead of two? We have a high expectation of being served. We live in a serve me culture, in a serve us culture. And that, that's just almost hard to, to detach yourself from. This is what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to, to flip things 180 degrees and move from serve us 
to serving one another, to serving each other. Now, I, I told you this hypothetical. What would you ask Jesus if you could ask Jesus to do anything you want? Well, this actually happened in Mark chapter 10. So if you want to turn to Mark chapter 10, is the story, the account from Mark of the request of James and John. If you don't know where Mark is or Mark chapter 10, take a pew Bible in front of you and turn to page 1086. If you know where Mark chapter 10 is, you're probably already there. Mark 10, 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask for you. I have to think that Jesus sort of half smiled here. Okay, (laughs) he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard this, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Repeat that again just for emphasis. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransomed for many. James and John wanted the seats of honor at the kingdom. And we're going to look at that more in depth tonight at Sunday Night Studies. If you have more questions about the story, join us tonight at 6 o'clock. But Jesus, this is me really glossing over it here, Jesus essentially says, you misunderstand what kind of king that I am. You misunderstand what kind of kingdom this is. You want to sit at my right and my left, you don't know what you're asking for. But I'll tell you, you know, the Gentiles, they love authority and power and they exercise it often, but it is not going to be that way with my people. In fact, the greatest among you will be the one that serves. And of course, Jesus modeled that. We understand that, first of all, Jesus came to serve. He lived his life very humbly. If you think about how Jesus came into the world, he could have come in, you know, with grand spectacle. He could have been born to a family of influence and power. He could have been born into royalty, and he would have absolutely deserved all of that. But he came very quietly, very obscurely, born in, in just a small town to a A a very poor couple, virtually unknown, grew up in Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth, one person asked? 
So Jesus came into this world very humbly, and he lived his whole life very humbly as a servant. And even the three years he served in ministry, he spent it humbly serving other people in many different ways. He went around teaching, went around doing good, he went around helping. And of course, he served in the greatest sense by laying down his life for others. The night before he died, he showed them what leadership was all about. And how did he do it? He took a knee and he took a towel and he washed his own disciples' feet to the point where those disciples said, what what are you doing? Because rabbis didn't wash feet. That was meant for the servants. That was meant for the lowly. But you see, Jesus came to serve. He did that for the mission that he was on and also for the example that he set. And that's the second point. He called us to serve. Jesus set the example for us in his kingdom to follow. It wasn't just that Jesus took a knee and a towel, and that's good. We're thankful for that service, and, and now we want to just climb to the ladder within the kingdom and be at the top of the org chart and make ourselves into something special. No, Jesus called his people to be servants. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. If you're following along in your Bible, Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul When talking about Christ's humility, he's really leaning upon Christ's example. This is page 1,257 if you don't know where Philippians is. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 4. He said, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He says, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider or account equality with God a thing to be grasped. But look at this. But taking the form of a, uh, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He looks to the example of Christ Jesus. He says, you should have among yourselves this very attitude. The NIV says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. This is what being a Christian entails. And he goes, points back to what Jesus did by taking the form of a servant. See, at Northside... We're large enough where, and some of you figure this out, that you can just come and sort of sit back and rest on your spiritual laurels and, and just be served. Let somebody else do all the things. And that takes less time, it takes less effort, it takes less energy, it's not as hard. But that's not who we want to be at Northside. That's not who our elders desire us to be at Northside. And so we get a lot of things done that normally churches two to three times our size would struggle doing. Why? Because we have a high servant culture. We have an expectation that everyone does something. That everyone serves in some way. 
we have this expectation because this is a New Testament people expectation. If you, if you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, if turning to 1 Peter 4.10 is too laborious for you, just read it on the slide with me, okay? Each of you, Peter says, should use whatever gift he has received to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. The serving is a stewardship issue. We, we all have been given a gift. Some of us have been given ten gifts, ten talents, and we might begin to really think something of ourselves. We're successful with our family, successful in work, we're successful in, in, in just every regard you can think of. And the New Testament says, so what? So what? How have you used those gifts to serve others? Have you been a faithful steward of the blessings you've been given to serve one another in love? When we do that, we are stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Here's an easy way to remember that. Save people, serve people. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you are called to serve. Because that's what Jesus did. He did that in the everyday sense. He did that in the eternal sense. We are called to serve. Serving is the difference between the kingdom and the country club. In the country club, you, you pay your dues and, and then you're served and you get all of these benefits and membership has its privileges. But that's not what the kingdom is designed to be. The kingdom is designed where we come and we serve one another in love, in big ways, in small, in using extraordinary talents and using every very common talents. We are called to be a people of service and not a people who say, serve us. That's the difference between the kingdom and the country club. Service, serving one another is good for you. It really is. I'm convinced that nothing more grows you up in Christ than when you serve others. When, you know, you can be served, okay, and you can be on the receiving end. And all of us at one point have been on the receiving end, and that's okay because that's going to happen within the kingdom. But if you're always on the receiving end, you're not growing up in Christ. You're not maturing in Christ. You probably still have a very self-centered view of what the kingdom is all about. When you learn to serve, you become less critical. People who are the highest criticizers, who just see criticism as their spiritual gift, my assessment of that is they need a job. They are not involved enough because they've got enough time to sit around and criticize all those who are serving. So it's good for you. It grows you up. It makes you less critical. It makes you more mature. It makes you less selfish. It grows you into the type of disciple that Jesus wanted you to be. And the only way to do that is serving. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. If you are following along, I hope you... We'll turn there. Galatians chapter 5. 
verse 13, page 1,249. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. And we have our freedom. The question is, are we going to use it for ourselves or are we going to use it to serve one another. Say people serve people because it's good for us, because it grows us up in Christ, because it makes us less critical, it makes us more mature, it makes us less selfish. Here's a great opportunity coming up that every single person can participate in. If you're a Northside member, not only should you, but you absolutely, uh, not only can you, but you absolutely should. Guest lunches are going to start here in two weeks. Guest lunches are coming back. If you don't aren't familiar with that, basically we divide the entire congregation up into seven or eight groups. They're, they've got different leaders that are in charge. And on your week, you get an email or a postcard or some sort of reminder that says, hey, it's your week to be hosts at guest lunch. And so you make up a little dish for your family and a few extras, and you bring that dish to the multipurpose room to share after worship. It's a wonderful opportunity to serve. It's a great way to meet guests. It's a great opportunity for you to get to know a smaller group of people very quickly across the table, doing something simple. We're, we're all going to eat. We're all going to desire to eat. We all desire fellowship. These are, this is a good opportunity to do that. I'm curious, before COVID, when you got your guest lunch notice, did you take advantage of that? You say, ah, you know, we're really busy, all of this other stuff. We'll just skip it. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will meet those guests. It's not really that important. We're big enough. They'll find their way. Yeah, I don't really like going to, you know, potlucks, if you will. It's just not my thing. I'd, I'd rather go to a restaurant and be served. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to take a very common, easy gift you know, you say, well, I can't, I don't, I'm not good at cooking. Fine, go to Chick-fil-A Saturday night, grab some tray full of nuggets, bring them and reheat them. That's okay. Certainly acceptable here. You know that. You see, the, this is an opportunity to serve. Will you take it or not? When your reminder comes, will you serve for someone else? You see, this is only for members. But at some point, you were not a member. At some point, you were a guest. At some point, you were visiting Northside. At some point, you were just checking things out. And maybe there was a guest lunch that somebody, Sunday, and somebody made a meal for you. Somebody got to know you. Somebody introduced themselves for you. Okay? So, I want you to be thinking about April 24th and encourage you to take advantage of that. And every week that your, your time to serve comes up, I hope that you'll take the opportunity. Let's make guest lunches great. Of course, there are lots more ways to serve than just guest lunches. And you may be sitting here saying, well, how do I get involved? What? How can I serve? What do I do? Well, this Sunday is the ideal Sunday for that. Most of you, many of you have been to the ministry fair. We do that every year. Um, and that's a good way where you can get a quick overview of over 20 different ministries that need people that need gifted people to use their talents, that need people who have a servant heart and a servant mindset to get involved. Uh, we have an involvement survey. Several of you 
received one as you came in. I hope that you took one. Um, if you didn't, as you leave, they're going to have, they're going to be passing these out. You will, if you miss these, it's your fault. Okay. This is how we develop a massive database of servants so that we can organize and get people involved and connected. So fill those out, turn those in and sign up for as many things as you can. You think, well, I'm still a little bit unsure. The involvement survey is huge. I don't know really where to jump in. Good. We can help you with that. Okay. We have a minister on staff. It is his sole job to get people involved. His name is Mark Yakely. And this is his cell phone number. And he told me, he said, now tell me, you, you tell them. They can call me any time, day or night. Send me a funny meme if they like. That's just fine. I like you. If two in the morning they wake up, they don't know what to do. They need somebody to talk to. Tell them to give old Yakely a call. I said, okay, we'll do it, Mark. Jesting, of course, but, but we want to help you understand that we want everyone involved, okay? And um, if you're just overwhelmed at all the options, Mark is the first person you should talk to, and he can connect you with other ministry leaders and groups, and just he can analyze where your skill sets are and put you to work in a place that will be useful and helpful and blessing to you and to the kingdom. So, if you should be serving more, call 2539514. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 okay, uh, sorry, I've, I've, now I've ruined, you've ruined it by applauding, but there's always an opportunity to serve, please don't sit there and think, well, I'll just wait until somebody asks me, that's a very selfish mindset, we want everyone to get involved, If you have something on your heart, you see a need, we want you to go for it. We want you to jump in. I'll tell you a story about four ladies who decided to do that. They said they saw that we were missing fellowship. This is uh, earlier, late last year. And they said, you know, we really miss those Wednesday night meals. We'd like to see the congregation getting back together again. What can we do? And so Jennifer, Lori, Franny, and Jamie put their heads together and their hearts together and said, let's come up with some way in which we can get the congregation back together for fellowship. They didn't wait for an elder's edict. They didn't wait for a spot on the involvement survey. They didn't wait for a ministry fair. They didn't complain, say, well, you know, somebody ought to... and have that complaining spirit. No, They saw a need for fellowship, and they used their gifts to serve. That's very Christ-like, and by the way, there's a few perks in that too, okay? (laughs) That's the heart of serving at Northside. Yes, the ministry fair is good. Yes, the involvement survey is good. Yes, text mark at any time, okay? But the spirit of serving at Northside is seeing things that need to be done and jumping in with joy and serving one another in love. Okay? Here's the point. 
Jesus calls his people to serve one another in love. So here's my challenge to you. I want you to get out your, um, no, not everybody takes notes, but get out your handout. Get out your handout that you got. And on the back page where you have the notes for the sermon, because I want you to write something down that's very personal. I'm not going to ask you to share this with anybody. I want you to ask this question of yourself. How are you, if you're a member at Northside, how are you serving others? How are you serving others in love? In some churches, there's a core group of 20% that are strong, servant-hearted people, and there's 80% that are just the takers. They just come and they just like being served, and they like having classes read, and they like having food prepared, and they like having sermons ready to go, and they like having stuff just for them. And it's, oh, it's just wonderful, all the things. And maybe we'll criticize every now and again, but we really appreciate the work those 20% are doing. And at Northside, we we try hard to flip those two numbers. We are not a 20% servant, 80% taker kind of church. If you're used to that kind of church, you need, you need to get ready for a culture shift, okay? At Northside, we want to be an army of servants and not an audience of takers, okay? Not because we're so special, because we believe that Jesus called his kingdom people to be servants. So, make your list, Okay? Three ways in which you are serving, if you're a Northside member, how are you serving at Northside? Now, if you cannot think of three, I'm just going to challenge you to step up your game, to step up your serve, okay? The challenge when I do a message on serve one another is I've got some people currently serving in 27 ministries actively, and they leave the sermon going, oh, really need to be doing more, well... We can probably do five more things. And I got some people doing nothing, and they hear the message and go, man, it's going a little long today. Sure wish you'd hurry up so I could go out and be served. And I just want to pause and make it personal and say, what three ways are you serving others? And if you can't think of three, then you for sure need to go to the ministry fair right after the final amen. You for sure need to get an involvement survey, and you need for sure to text Mark Yakely anytime, day or night, and say, how can I get plugged in? Jesus came to serve, and he called us to serve one another. And so, may we not forget that. May we continue to serve one another in love. May we continue to be the kingdom people that Christ has called us to be not of being served, but of serving and of taking the knee and the towel because we all need to serve one another. This morning, the message is yours. It is up to you what to do with that. If your list is not full, then I want you to step it up just a little bit. And if it's overflowing with things, I want you to know you're okay. I want you to keep serving but I don't want you to leave here feeling guilty because you're not serving. We just want everybody to be using their gifts to serve one another in love. Jesus was a servant. And what made him a servant is that he laid down his life for you. Now, to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to follow him, you must be willing to lay down your life for him. If you need to begin by professing your faith in Christ, repenting of your sin and 
putting on Christ in baptism, by literally laying down to be raised up, to walk in a new life, to walk as Jesus did, to be a servant as he called us to be. That, that step can begin this morning, this very moment. We're going to sing a song. Mark's going to lead us, uh, if he's not mad at me from all those Yakely jokes, and uh, he's going to lead us in a song. And if you would like to respond to the gospel invitation to lay down your life as Jesus laid down his life, then won't you respond during that song and just go to the back, speak with one of our shepherds, and let them know of your decision to follow Jesus and to walk and to serve as he called us to do. If you have that need or any other spiritual need, head to the back while together we stand and sing this next song.